When I was studying in Rome, I had the great privilege and blessing of staying at the community of San Clemente, which is a 12th century basilica and a treasure trove of Roman, medieval, and Baroque art. What is really, really famous about this basilica is that in the sanctuary, there are huge medieval mosaics. On the left side, if you face the high altar, you will see a mosaic of prophet Isaiah holding a scroll saying, this is our God and there is no compare. I saw the Lord seated on a throne. And on the right-hand side stands prophet Jeremiah holding a scroll saying, this is our God. There is none to compare with him. And um, on the arch before, uh, above the dome, the half dome, there is a prominent inscription that says, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to people of goodwill. And what is in the half dome? It is a huge and very ornate mosaic depicting the Christ crucified. So praying there day after day, morning and evening, these mosaics provided me with a lot of food for thought and contemplation. I think taken together, what these mosaics try to convey is that the hour of cross and passion is the hour of glory for Jesus. But why is the hour of cross the moment when Jesus was glorified? First, we need to consider from where that glory comes. Jesus was very clear that he did not accept and he would not accept any human glory. It's, it meant nothing to him. And from today's gospel, we learn that the Son of Man is glorified when the name of the Father is glorified. The Father also made it clear that it had been glorified through the Son, and it will be glorified again. And throughout the entire Gospel of John, it is clear that Jesus, the Son of God, had always sought to manifest the glory of the Father throughout his entire earthly life. So the Son did not seek his own glory, but regarded the Father's glory as his own. And the infinite loving Father, in his turn, glorified the Son by sharing with the Son his own glory. But what exactly is the Father's glory? What does it even mean? In the ancient Jewish tradition, God's glory is his grandeur, his majesty, and his absolute sovereignty over all. And this glory, when it is manifested, commands awe and commands our praise to glorify God in recognition of this supremely beautiful grandeur. And in the ancient Greek tradition, on the other hand, a person's glory is his fame or his reputation. So taken together, you can think of God's glory as who he is and what he is and his nature. And what, who he is is none other than the supreme sovereign of the heaven and earth, right? But why? Why does it have to be manifested when Jesus, and only when Jesus, is lifted up on the cross? 
Well, in fact, in the Gospel of John, Jesus foretells it three times that he will be lifted up from the, from the earth. From last Sunday, we heard the first foretell of, of uh, him being lifted up. So Jesus tells Nicodemus, if you remember from last week's uh, gospel, that whoever sees him uh, lifted up, looking at his suffering and believes in him, will have eternal life. And the second time it happened, in, when Jesus got into a dispute with the Jewish religious authority, he declared that when he was lifted up on the cross, people will realize his divinity, that, that he is the great I am, and that he only taught what the Father told him to teach. And the third foretelling is from the gospel today that we just heard. Jesus tells us that when he is lifted up on the cross, he will draw all people to himself. So if we take all three foretellings together, we can say that by Jesus' cross and suffering when he's lifted up, and of course his subsequent resurrection, he will gather a people who believe in him together and who believe him as God, who recognize his divinity. He will forgive their sins and give them eternal life. In other words, this is precisely what the letter of the, to the Hebrews say. Uh, Jesus became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. In so doing, people will see his divinity of being able to forgive sins and bestow eternal life. And we will see that he came precisely to do the will of the Father, which is to create a new people, which is none other than a new creation. And this also fulfills the prophecy of Prophet Jeremiah, which says this new people will have the law within them and write it on their hearts. No longer will they have to teach their friends and relatives how to know the Lord, because all from the least to the greatest shall know the Lord. And this also explains why Jesus says of himself that if a grain of wheat dies, it produces much fruit. This way, Jesus, through his weakness, and I would say even utter humiliation, he manifests God's power and strength, justice and love. And this is why the moment of cross and suffering is the finest moment of Jesus Christ, and this is precisely his hour of glory. And this is also the hour when the Son glorifies the Father and the Father glorifies the Son. And we, as a people redeemed by Jesus Christ, we are called to sing his praise and praise the Father as well. And that is why, if you pay attention to the third Eucharistic prayer, this theme is featured very, very prominently. As we pray, you are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of, his Holy, of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy. And you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun and to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. And likewise, after the consecration, 
we've joined the priests in praying. In your compassion, O merciful Father, gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world. For this reason, as Father Carl mentioned last Sunday in his homily, we're not afraid to look at Jesus and his suffering head on. Because through his suffering and his loving sacrifice, we have received the redemption from God when God, God is glorified. And starting this week, this is precisely what we'll, we'll be doing. We will begin to solemnly commemorate how Jesus earned our salvation on the cross. Now, turning the gaze to ourselves, I think because of the pandemic, we have all suffered a great deal since last year, since last spring. However, we need not be afraid because this, this period of suffering can also be our moment of glory. We do this by uniting our sacrifices to the, that of Jesus. And so let us continue to bear each other's burdens, not falling into division, quarreling, and dissension. But on the other hand, let us keep on caring for each other and loving each other sacrificially. Always, always pray to God for more strength and for grace. If we can do this, we are continuing, we'll be continuing the work of the Son. We'll be continuing the work of the Father through the Son. And like Jesus, we will also be able to draw people to God, the Father, because of our witness of faith and love, and in so doing, giving the Father his glory. And so, to close, I need to practice what I preach. I need to praise the Lord for his glory through the cross. And so, I would like to share with you this Byzantine prayer from the vigil to the third Sunday of Lent. By thy cross, thou didst destroy the curse of the tree, by thy burial, thou didst slay the dominion of death. By thy rising, thou didst enlighten the race of men. O benefactor, Christ our God, glory to thee. <laughs>